Welcome to Crossbridge Brickle's weekly podcast. Whether you are listening to us for the first time or revisiting a previously heard message, thank you for listening, and we hope that the time that you spend with us helps connect your life to the way of Jesus. Every week we gather in the south end of downtown Miami in the financial district of Brickle. If you're in Miami or coming to Miami to visit, make sure to join us Sunday nights at 5 o'clock at 1770 Brickle Avenue. Included with the podcast today, we want to provide online notes for you to follow along with the message through the Bible app, as well as our Spotify playlist to listen to our music played during our gathering on the weekends. All of this information is found in the description of this week's podcast. If you have any questions about Crossbridge, Jesus, or faith in general, we would love to hear from you, and the easiest way to connect with us is by emailing us at brickle at crossbridgemiami.com or send us a text to our text-in number at 305 305- Nine three zero seven zero zero six. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And now here's this week's message from Crossbridge Brickle. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in in your hearts to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this church where we gather not just to a space for a program, but as your people, as a family. And Lord, as Pastor Tommy prayed I pray that all of us here would know that we're not only known by you, but we can be known by others that are a part of your family. And so we pray, God, that you would move in the hearts of your people tonight to confirm to us the reality of your truth, the beauty of your way, Jesus, and the grace that is available, and that would really inspire us to live as not influencers, influencers for ourselves, but influencers for you and, and your name and your glory, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight we are beginning a new series entitled Influencers. You see the graphic up there with the blue check mark. I'm not going to ask you how many of you have a blue check mark and how many of you wish you had a blue check mark. But we're going to be kind of fleshing that out in a moment. I was considering this week, this time of year, and I love this time of year. I don't know how many of you, how many of you like this time of year? Okay, yeah, that's, it should be more. Um, Except for, I was going to wear a sweater tonight, but the air in here is like, nah, 74 is where I'm going to chill. And so, uh, 90 outside, 74 in here. Once it cools down, it gets freezing in here, because this old 35-year-old Air is like, not nah, 74 when it's 90 outside is where I'm going to chill. But this time of year is awesome because in two weeks we have Halloween. We got any Halloween fans in the room? Okay, some of you need an inner kid. Inner kid, guys, okay? Like inner kid, a little bit more excitement. How many of you are excited for Thanksgiving in five weeks? That's all the food fans in the room right there. And then we have December, which is parties and great weather and lights all around Brickle and the city. And fingers crossed, you could wear a sweater then. We're just hoping and praying and Christmas. It's a wonderful time of year. The holidays are coming up. The, the events happening in the city, it's a great time to be in Miami. But it's not only a great time to be in Miami because of what's happening in the city, but because of what's happening in our church. 
This is a time of year where we kick off an annual campaign that's called Making Our House a Home. If you've been with us over the past few years, you're familiar with this campaign. It runs for the next five weeks right before Thanksgiving. And it is a time for us to share and to cast vision for who we believe God has called us to be as a church. We kind of get behind the curtain and we talk about the vision and the mission and the values of Crossbridge and what it means to be involved and to partner in Crossbridge as a member or as a regular attender. And so it's an exciting time. If you are a member, if you are a regular attender and you call Crossbridge home, you get to kind of be refreshed with what you have partnered in. But if you're here and you're like, hey, I'm still checking out the church. I'm new. I've been coming the last couple of weeks. This is also a wonderful time for you. It's a wonderful time for everyone because you get to see who we are. You get to see the mission and the vision and the calling that we believe that God has given us as a church. And the name of the campaign is important, Making Our House a Home, because we want to be a home, not a house. Those are two different things. See, a house is a place that you go because you were invited for a function or to visit with some friends. You go and you walk in and you meet the people that you see. It's a scheduled time. You're going to leave at a certain time. You're going to kind of judge how they did their decorations, whether or not you like their furniture. When you go in the bathroom, you're going to check what's in the medicine cabinet. Like, what do they have in here? You're going to do all of that stuff, but you don't. Of course you don't, but you do. Everybody does. And then when it's over, you go home. It's a house. But a home is a place that you live. It is a place where you have a say in the furniture. You have a say in the pictures on the wall. You have a say of what's in the medicine cabinet. And it is not just a place that you go for an allotted amount of time to visit with some friends or to make new friends. It is a place that you live with people that you know because they are your family. And that's what it means to be in a home. And that's what we want this church to be. Not a house, not just a building. Now, some of you are like, hey, we need a building. How many of you want a building? Okay, that was like, okay, we're going to keep doing set up and tear down church for the next 45 years. We're not, we don't want to just be a building. We don't want to just be a program or an organization or a nice environment for you to come on Sunday night. We want to be a home, a place where you can belong regardless of your doubts, regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey, regardless of your past, a place where you can belong, a place where you can be known, a place where you could be part of a family, where you have a voice, where you can choose what's in the medicine cabinet. That's what it means to seek to make our house a home. And over the next five weeks, we're going to ask you to engage with us. There's five different ways we're going to ask you to engage. The first way is we're going to ask you to engage through prayer. Tonight, we are launching a prayer campaign that is going to go for the next 29 days. If you follow us on social media, you will get the update every single day with the prayer of the day. If you don't follow us, follow us on Instagram or on Facebook, and you'll see every day an Instagram story. Take a picture of it. Pray with us as we pray for our church, as we pray for our city. And you're not going to pray just for Brickle. You're going to pray for the family of churches in Key Biscayne and Pinecrest and Miami Springs. We're going to pray for the family of churches that God has brought us together. So I want to encourage you to pray with us. And then mark the calendars for November 15th because we're going to have a prayer night. Details to come. It's going to be a time where we gather together as God's people to pray for the church, to pray for the city, and to have prayers of healing. So if you're here and you're like, there's some things in my life that I'm really wanting God to supernaturally heal, we're going to have a night of prayer for that. 
So I want you to engage in prayer. We want you to engage in love strong. We've been announcing this the last couple weeks. Coming up this Friday at Key Biscayne, Crossbridge Key Biscayne, we have our Love Strong Worship Night. It's a benefit concert for the Bahamas. As we've been saying, the news cycle has kind of moved away from the Bahamas, but the reality of what they're facing is not moved away. It is a long rebuild. And so we want to come together to worship God together as a church, to raise money, and also you're going to have the opportunity that night to write letters to those that are beginning this rebuild and to give them a letter of hope that we're still thinking about them, we're praying for them, we're supporting them, we're along with them, that they're not forgotten just because the news cycle moved somewhere else. At 7 p.m. coming up this Friday at Key Biscayne, we're going to ask you to engage with the baptism coming up November 2nd. Who's excited about that? Oh yeah, we got three people here that are going to be baptized from the Brickell campus. We have several from Crossbridge, Key Biscayne as well. And if you are here and you're like, listen, I've felt the Holy Spirit kind of moving in me that maybe it's my turn to get baptized. I feel like God is calling me to get baptized. I want to encourage you to talk to me, talk to Pastor Tommy. We'd love for you to join in. It's going to be some worship music on the beach. We're going to have dinner on the beach at 5 p.m. at the Key Biscayne Community Center. And we're going to see life transformation. And so whether or not you're getting baptized or you want to get baptized, I want to encourage everyone to engage, to mark your calendars, November 2nd, 5 p.m., it's a Saturday, to be at the beach and celebrate, even if you don't know any of the people, celebrate life transformation happening in your family, in the church. We're then going to ask you to engage in some merch. Do you notice? I was going to wear the sweater. Hey, Okay. We have new merch, and this is like the first, well, we've done like shirts and stuff here and there, but this is like our first official limited release merch line. Um, And you're like, wait, why are you guys doing this? It's merch with a mission. Did you like that? That's the cheesiest thing I've probably ever done. No, it's not. I've done a lot of cheesy things. It is actually, uh, we're we're rolling out merch tonight. We have an online store as well, and we have limited uh, quantity here. And the reason we're doing this is not just because we want you to rep Crossbridge Apparel in the city, but because we want to kind of cast vision to you to where we believe God is calling us to go as a church. If you'll notice in the back, if you go check it out in the Connect Lounge in the back, there's a shirt, there's sweater, there's athletic shorts, there's joggers, and you're going to see that it says 50-50 on it. And that's because we believe that God is calling us over the next five years or so to move our church to a 50-50 church, which means every dollar that comes into the church, 50 50 cents goes to the church and 50 cents goes to the city. We want half of our budget to go to the city to care for people, to bring mercy and justice and care to the city of Miami. That's our vision. And so our merch is that. In fact, the cost of all the apparel, 50% of the cost of the merch is the real cost of how much it costs to make. The other 50% is going to go directly to the city to support organizations and people who need help and need care. And so the merch is connected to that vision that we believe God has given us. And then lastly, we have Pledge Day, which is coming up at the end of this Making Our House a Home campaign on November 17th, where we're going to ask those of you that consider Crossbridge to be your home to pledge your time, talent, and treasure for 2020, to say, here, God, is how I believe you're calling me to engage with my time and my talent and my treasure in your church, and I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of this mission and this vision. And so that is the layout of what you can expect over the next five weeks. We're going to ask you to get involved. We want to encourage you to get involved. We want you to know that you have a say. 
Regardless of your ability to engage, we want you to know that you have a say in this church. This is your home. This is your family. And what's going to be supporting this is our series, Influencers. You see, we live in a a world where celebrity is one of the most attractive things there is. We are constantly being pushed by social media influencers to jump on certain trends, to follow different ideas. We were joking earlier that champion the shorts. In fact, those are the shorts in the back. Those are trendy now. When I was a kid, it was like, champion? Who wears champion? Now it's like, champion. You the champion. You the goat. You know? (laughs) We're constantly being pushed all of these ideas and all of these trends by social media influencers who are seeking to garner attention for themselves so they can push products and ideas out to you. And many of us are dreaming about that blue check mark, that verified, that essentially says, a lot of people want to see what I say. You see, being a social media influencer is all about attracting attention to yourself. Many different ways. Maybe it's through playing video games. Maybe it's through how you look. Maybe it's through your thoughtful insight into a particular market or idea or hobby. Maybe it is because you have a quirky personality. Maybe it's because you're funny. Maybe it's the way that you deliver the news. Maybe it's just the way that you open boxes. This is the one thing I don't understand, guys. And some of you follow influencers that's like unbox therapy. You know, you're just like, watch me open stuff that you don't get to enjoy. It's like, why are we doing this? I don't understand. And then the other one's like, watch me just film myself living. And okay, it's just like a normal life. You're at Starbucks and I'm just watching you. But thousands upon millions of people are engaging in this. And some influencers, not hating on all influencers, they add value. I I follow different influencers that add value to me, that give me easily digestible news, that speak thoughtful ideas into things that I'm interested in, that just provide humor when I need to veg. So some of you follow, how many of you follow an influencer? Come on, raise your hand. Yell them out. Yell yell one that you follow. Guys, why are you being so shy? Huh? Someone said Cardi B. She's like a, she's a musician. I guess she's an influencer too. Yeah, she's got the check mark. Who else? Who was another influencer you follow? Who? I don't know who that is. What's that? Oh, okay. What else? John Chris. That's the Christian comedian. Trey Kennedy is like another one of them. Any PewDiePie fans out there? No, okay. Well, he's the largest influencer in the world with 101 million subscribers. No big deal. There's a lot of influencers out there. Some of them are, are, are paid a million dollars for an ad placement. Kylie Jenner gets a million dollars for every ad placement on Instagram. Unbelievable. See, isn't it interesting that we live in a world where your job is attracting attention to yourself? It's your job. How well can you use your personality, your looks, your insight, your intellect, your video game ability, your ability to open boxes in a nice way to attract attention to yourself so you can get a following, so you can get verified, so companies can pay you money for you to continue doing that thing? It's interesting. It's such an interesting world that we live in. And yet, though many influencers do add value, I'm not hating on all influencers, The way of Jesus is very different from the way that is being pushed on us and that is even attractive to us. Some of us think, man, it would be so nice 
to just have all this attention on social media and have all these marketing dollars and all of these eyes on me and my insight, my ability, my personality, my humor. But the way of Jesus is a very different way. He speaks of influence very differently. You see, influence for us is about bringing attention to yourself. And Jesus says, my way is using and stewarding everything you have, including your influence for others and for the name of Christ. It's actually directing attention away from yourself, not towards yourself. Very different view of influence. Jesus says that the way in which you are called to live is salt and light. You're to live as salt, you're to bring flavor, and you're to live as light, to bring light to the darkness. Directing attention not to yourself, but to others. We're to live as influencers, but in a very different way from what our culture speaks, not bringing attention to yourself, but directing attention to others and to what God is doing. We're, we're revealing uh, tonight a new mission statement as a church, and it speaks to this, what it means to be an influencer, and that is helping connect life to the way of Jesus. That is our mission as a church, and so we're going to ask you to kind of take on as your mission is to help connect life to the way of Jesus, for your life to be connected to the way of Jesus, and for you to live helping other people connect their life to the way of Jesus, using everything that God has given you, your time, your talent, your treasure, your influence, to help connect all aspects of life to the way of Jesus, not the way of culture, but the way of Jesus, or to be influencers. And part of what that means is that we're to be translators of the way of Jesus. See, if you're going to help connect life to the way of Jesus, you have to help translate what the way of Jesus is. Because we don't live in a society that says, oh, the way of Jesus, that's a great way to live. In fact, we live in a society that says the way of Jesus is completely irrelevant. I mean, there's very little category in our current society for how Christianity and the way that it puts out can add any value to your life. I mean, if you were to walk around your office and say, can you explain to me how the way of Jesus can add value to your life? You may get something along the lines of, well, I mean, you know, Jesus was like, he was loving and, and he was nice. And, you know, some of those morals, I think, would help me in parenting or they'd help me, you know, just with, with difficult people. But it's kind of like adding it into what I already want to do because the new way that we live and is pushed on us is live however you want to live and let other people live however they want to live. And as long as no one is harming anyone else, that's good. The way of Jesus is irrelevant and almost offensive because the way that is promoted to us is whatever way you want to live as long as you don't hurt anyone else. So if you want to take a little bit of Jesus' way and a little bit of your own way and a little bit of Buddha's way and a little bit of this kind of new way that you're kind of fleshing out here and some new age stuff there and you want to mix it all together to create your own way, that's great. Just don't hurt anyone else. So the way of Jesus is irrelevant in our society and almost offensive because Jesus says that the way that you are to walk following him is narrow. It's not just open to interpretation. It's narrow, and we're to be translators of the way of Jesus. Look at verse 14 in our passage, our, our passage tonight. 
in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says this in verse 4, when he's speaking about the way of Jesus, he says, and above all of these put on love, which binds together, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. He says, above everything, you want to be an influencer, you want to translate the way of Jesus, above everything put on love, because love binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see, what happens sometimes when we think about influence is we don't think about love, we think about verbal persuasion. If someone were to say to you, hey, you need to begin to live as an influencer for Jesus, looking to translate the way of Jesus to a culture that misunderstands him and believes the way of Jesus as irrelevant, you would probably ask, well, what book do I read? What book do I read? I mean, how do I do it? What do I got to learn? What do I got to study? I'm going to get asked a lot of questions if I start to try to live as an influencer for Jesus, and I need to know how to answer them. I need to begin to study apologetics, which is the art of defending your faith. So tell me the books to read, and then I will read them, and I will try to absorb the information so I can then persuade people to follow the way of Jesus and help translate it for them so that I can be an influencer. Now, it is important to grow in biblical maturity, to grow in your theological understanding. Apologetics, learning how to defend your faith and answer hard questions is great. In fact, if you texted in the word hi, I added three books that I recommend. If you are looking to you know, learn more about how to discuss hard topics in your faith, or maybe if you're just here and you're like, hey, I, I wouldn't want those answers. I want to know how a good God could allow suffering. I want to know how I can trust the Bible. Text in and you, you'll see three books that I recommend for you to jump in on there. But the, the way that you influence people for the way of Jesus and you help be a translator of that way is not through reading a book and absorbing information so then you can persuade people. That may be an aspect of it. We're called in 2 Timothy to be prepared in season and out, be prepared to encourage and to correct and to rebuke. But the primary way that Paul says that you are to live, the way of Jesus is to put on love. Because love above everything else, anything you want to add in there, above everything else, love binds everything together in perfect harmony. Meaning, if you are seeking to influence for Jesus and love is not put on as the primary thing that is motivating you, you are not going to bring harmony. You're probably going to breed disunity. You're probably going to face hostility. You're probably going to be burnt out and exhausted by you trying to verbally persuade people to follow the way of Jesus and translate that for them. Apostle Paul says, above everything, put on love. Why does he say this? Well, because this is how Jesus lived. Think about Jesus. How did Jesus influence others for his message, for his way? He loved people. And he didn't just love the lovable. He loved his enemies. Jesus loved people that misunderstood him, that ridiculed him, that humiliated him, that ignored him. He even loved people that wanted him dead and eventually killed him. Jesus put on love as he interacted with everyone. 
His mode of influence wasn't verbal persuasion. Though he spoke and shared when the opportunity was presented, his mode of influence was love. That's why Jesus says to you and to me, love one another just as I have loved you, and then all people will know that you are my disciples. It's it's really clear. Love one another just as I have loved you, because when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love one another just as I have loved you. And when you love other people the way that I loved you, you love people that ignore you, you love people that humiliate you, you love people that slander you, you love people that want nothing to do with you, everyone will see that you're my disciple. That's how you influence. Put on the love of Jesus. You see, Jesus loved with no agenda and no restrictions. No agenda and no restrictions. How many of us, we're not going to raise our hand on this one, how many of us can say that we love with no agenda and no restrictions? We're called to put on love, and not just some generic love, but the love of Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you, and then all people will know that you are my disciples. Jesus loved with no restrictions and no agenda. You see, if you're like me, We live very different. We live more with firm edges and a soft center. You see, what I mean by firm edges is that we live with these walls. We put up certain walls for certain people, and we restrict our love from them. For different reasons, we don't connect with them, it's uncomfortable, they've offended us, they humiliated us, they ignore us. We put up walls and we restrict our love from them. Then we also have an agenda for our love. We not only put up walls, but we also make people feel as if they need to earn our love or they need to deserve our love. And we even defend it. Say things like, well, the reason that I have these walls up, the reason that I restrict my love from people and that I have an agenda with my love in different situations and with different people is because I need to protect my time. I need to protect myself. And plus, that person needs truth. They don't need love. They need that wall. They need to know I'm upset. They need to feel it. They won't learn unless I restrict my love from them and have an agenda with it. We can even defend our love with this kind of spiritual cover. Say things like, well, you know what? The reason I have this restriction and this wall up and I have an agenda for my love with different people is because I got to protect my witness. I got to protect my witness. I got to be beyond reproach. I don't want to cast my pearls to pigs, you know? I tried. Didn't connect. Wall. See ya. Is that how Jesus lived? With walls and restrictions and an agenda for his love? No, certainly not. Jesus was not concerned about his witness. He was labeled a drunkard and a sinner. Like, who is this guy hanging out with those people? He must be a drunk. He must be a sinner because no religious person that actually is pursuing God would ever spend time with those people. Jesus spent three years, 24-7, with 12 dudes who didn't even get who he was and in his greatest time of need abandoned him. And yet he loved them. 
over and over and over again, and he loved them again after he died and rose and came to them and put them on the greatest mission and adventure of their life. He loved with no restriction and no agenda. He did not have firm edges. He had soft edges. He was always willing to talk and to put on love, even if the person he was interacting with humiliated him or offended him or ignored him or misunderstood him. You see, what happens is when we live with firm edges instead of soft edges like Jesus, it reveals that our center, our heart, our faith isn't firm but soft. There's a weakness there. You see, if your faith is motivating you to put up walls and to have restrictions in your love and have an agenda with your love, it reveals that what is at the center of your heart is mostly you. It's not Jesus. It's not firm on the love of Christ that is motivating and speaking to your heart and, act and motivating how you live and how you put on love with other people. It is you. You want to put the wall up, and so you put the wall up. You want to have an agenda for your love, so you make an agenda. Then you'll justify that behavior. So it comes out in certain ways. There's some, some markers that the center of your heart is soft. It's, you're being influenced by yourself more than Jesus. And one of the ways is that you'll notice that you have a tendency towards legalism or works-based salvation and living. So no one wants to say, hey, I'm a legalist. <laughs> it's awesome. No one wants to say that, but we can operate like that, where you begin to think that you are validated by God and you are accepted by God because of how well you uphold certain, certain moral rules or how many things you're doing for God. And you hey, God, look at me. Look at all the things I'm doing. Hey, everybody else, look at me. So, so I can put up some walls and I can have an agenda for my love because I'm doing all of these other things that a lot of people aren't doing. It doesn't reveal that Jesus is influencing your heart. It reveals that your heart is self-centered because you believe that becoming more like Jesus is on you. It's about drawing attention to yourself. Look at all the things I'm doing. Look at how well I'm living. Look at my good works. It's not a heart influenced by the love of Jesus, but it's a heart influenced by the self. The same is true as if you have a combative spirit. If you are constantly looking to debate people and you're constantly looking to get into arguments with people at your office or friends that kind of believe that your faith is irrelevant and confusing, and so you're trying to be bold and you're trying to be strong, and so you're constantly trying to combat them, it does not re reveal that you have a firm center and grasp on the love of Jesus. It reveals that you're trying to influence yourself. Like, look at me. I'm bold for my faith. You're more concerned with winning an argument than winning a person more concerned with putting a wall up and feeling like, hey, you know, I tried. Jesus was not an isolationist. He did not back away from people, and he was not combative. He was loving with people. Some of you are thinking right now, I know it, some of you are thinking, Carter, I've read my Bible a little bit, and Jesus was combative at times. There was a time when he was in the temple. He walked in. He said, oh, no. Not in here. And he flipped over the tables and he grabbed whips and he started whipping people and he cast everybody out of the temple. That's combative. You're right, that's combative. But what's the scenario? 
He walked into the house of God and he saw people who claimed to be worshiping God, not concerned with others, not concerned with drawing attention to God's glory and worshiping him, but concerned about harvesting influence for themselves and building their pockets by selling overpriced goods for burnt offerings. And he said, no, 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 that's not going to happen here. And he drove them out because they were making a mockery of God's name in a house of worship. You see, if Jesus came to Miami in 2019, you're like, oh man, that's terrifying. (laughs) If Jesus came to Miami in 2019, he would not be on South Beach. He wouldn't be outside the club protesting. What are you guys doing? Why are you following this way? Who are you? Don't you understand? You know where he'd be? Right here. He'd be in the church. Say, guys, what's going on? Don't you see that the way that I've laid out for you is not a way to be combative? It's not a way to isolate yourself from other people. The church isn't just a place that you come on Sunday night. It's, it's a family that you belong to. And your calling is to be an influencer, to put on love. Love for those people in your office. Love for those people in the club. Love for those people all over our city that are being ignored by the church. He'd be in the church combating our complacency. It's where he'd be. See, we're called to be influencers for the way of Jesus, but it's not by being combative or isolating ourselves or restricting our love from people and having an agenda where people have to earn it and deserve it. We're to put on love that brings harmony and binds everything together. We're to love like Jesus loved. No restrictions and no agenda. You see, when you love like Jesus, you have soft edges and a firm center. Soft edges and a firm center. Look at verse 16. The Apostle Paul says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do you live with soft edges and a firm center? How do you love with no restriction and no agenda? You let the word of Christ dwell richly in your heart. The center of your faith is the word of Christ. What does the word of Christ say? Love one another just as I have loved you. Love your enemies. You let that dwell richly in your heart as the motivator for how you are to love other people. Look what 1 John 4, 9 says. I love this verse. It says, In this the love of God was manifest, was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. The love of God was made manifest in the world through Jesus so that we might live through him. The way we are to live as influencers for the way of Jesus, translating the way of Jesus that is viewed in our society as irrelevant is by living through Jesus as the word of Christ that tells us to love others as Christ has loved us, to love our enemies. As that dwells richly in our heart, we live through Christ putting on love for people that are ignored and overlooked and have hurt us and humiliated us, people that we want to put a wall up against, that we want to have an agenda for, we tear it down and we seek to love them the way that Christ loved us. We love through Christ. See, we're living in a unique time. 
a unique time where our culture, as I've said, views the word of Christ as irrelevant, but there are some things that are alarming. You see, Scripture says that the word of Christ should dwell richly in your heart, and yet 50% of non-millennials believe that this word is just a story. 38% believe that this is mythology. 30% believe that this is a fairy tale. And yet, the way of Jesus says that this should dwell richly in your heart. The word of Christ. It's not a fairy tale. It's not mythology. It's not just a story. It is the way in which you are to live through Christ as the word of Christ dwells richly in your heart so that you can actually live with no restrictions, with no agenda, You see, we live in a a world where if you were to walk around your office and you were to say, hey, I, I would love for you to follow the way of Jesus, the response will be, what in the world does the way of Jesus have to offer me? You're like, everything. You're like, I don't see it. How do you actually influence? You put on love. You see, we are to be grace givers. We're to give grace. What is grace? It's unearned favor. We have received the unearned favor of God, and we are to give grace, but we live differently. I don't know if you're like me. You could raise your hand if you want. How many of you feel like you have a long way to go in being a grace giver? I have a long way to go to put on love. I have a long way to go to have soft edges and a firm center. I have a long way to go to let the word of Christ dwell richly in my heart. And I have a long way to go to be a grace giver. It is not easy to give unearned favor. It's not easy. So how do you do it? How do you give grace? I want to close by doing a thought experiment. Are you down for a thought experiment? Some of you are like, yes. How many of you are familiar with, uh, it's a famous philosophical thought experiment, it's called the trolley problem? No? Okay. Well, some of you, some of you, okay, yeah, some of you. This is a great thought experiment. You, are you guys ready to engage with me? Okay, we're good. Okay. You got to put on your, your imagine, you know, Imagineer hat. That's like a Disney thing, right? Imagineer hat. Imagine. Imagine that you're standing next to a track. It's like a train track, and there's a trolley on it. You look in the distance, and you see the trolley is flying down the track. The brakes are broken. There's no stopping this trolley. It's going to fly right past you. And you look down the track, and you see that there are five people tied up in the track by an evil villain with a curly mustache. There he is right there. Five people tied up, and they're too far away. There's no way you could reach them to untie them. The trolley is bearing down right on them. And you look, and coincidentally, you're standing next to a switch. And you have the opportunity to switch the track so that the trolley diverts to the other track. And you look in the distance at the other track, and there's one person tied up there. You've got to make a decision. Do you allow the trolley to go down the track, take a step back, wash your hands of it, say, this isn't my problem, I'm not involved here, and you let the trolley take out five people, or do you pull the switch and divert the trolley to take out one? What do you do? This is a classic argument for utilitarianism. 
Utilitarianism says that the way that you are to live is for the greatest good for the greatest amount of people. So, 90% of people say that they would pull the switch and they would sacrifice the one to save the five. Most people say that. You see, a lot of times we live not as grace givers, but as greatest good givers. We evaluate our love in this kind of equation. We look down the track and we say, okay, if I restrict my love from this person, what's the effect? If I show love to this person, if I engage with this person, if I put on love, if I don't isolate myself from them, if I really live out the way of Jesus here, what's going to be sacrificed? We view ourselves as the one tied up, and then there's the five, there's the others. And so sometimes things are aligned nicely, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to sacrifice my ego. I'm going to sacrifice my comfort. I'm going to sacrifice things because Jesus has called me to love others as as he has loved me, and so I'm going to sacrifice myself, and I'm going to love and care for the five. I'm going to save the five. Then sometimes we look at it and we say, ah, man, I don't think I'm going to sacrifice myself on this one. They don't deserve it. I'm just going to step back someone else's problem. We look to give love where we believe the greatest good is, the greatest good for us and the greatest good for others instead of being grace givers. We evaluate it because we believe that love is binary. It's either you sacrifice yourself or you sacrifice others. If you sacrifice yourself, you can help other people and show love the way Jesus did or you can sacrifice other people and kind of put the wall up and protect your own good. But Jesus destroys this notion of binary love, and he actually solves the trolley problem. You see, Jesus is posed with the question, hey, Jesus, you're standing next to the switch. You're going to save the five? You're going to save the one? Jesus says both. (laughs) Jesus, um, it's one or the other. It's a binary decision. You save the five, pull the switch, save the one. Jesus, I'm going to save both. How are you going to do that? I'm going to lay down on the track. I'm going to lay down and I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the brunt of the trolley. I'm going to take the judgment, the wrath that's coming down this track. You see, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you believe in his death for you, that he laid in the track to save you, you realize that God's grace is not utilitarian. God's grace is not concerned for the greatest good for the greatest number of people. God's grace is concerned for your good. Romans 8 says that God is working good for all of those who love him. If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ and you love Christ and who he is and what he's done, God's good is being worked out in your life. It is not an either or. When you look to put on the way of Jesus and to love like Jesus and you look to take down the restrictions and the walls and the agenda for your love and you let the word of Christ grow richly in you and you seek to give grace to other people, you are not sacrificing yourself. You're not sacrificing your good for the good of others. In fact, you living the way of Jesus and seeking to be an influencer for the way of Jesus is for your good. It's not sacrifice. Look at 1 John 4, 11 through 12 says. Let this sink in. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love 
is perfected in us. Listen to that again. When you live the way of Jesus and seek to be an influencer for Jesus by putting on love for others, are you sacrificing your good? If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. See, to be a grace giver, to put on love and live the way of Jesus is for your good because the love of God is perfected in you. And God abides in you. There is no greater joy and greater treasure than that. There is no better way to live than as an influencer for the way of Christ. Will you pray with me? God, I confess to you tonight that I don't always live for others or for you. God, it is so easy to seek to attract attention to myself, to feel as if loving the way that you loved is somehow not for my good. It is a sacrifice that will harm me. Lord, I pray tonight that all of us would see that to live as an influencer for you, Jesus, to follow your way, to give grace, to put on love without restriction and agenda is for our good. Would the word of Christ dwell richly in our hearts? Would we see it as beautiful and full of joy to follow you? We thank you that you are patient with us. You're not combative. That you love us. And even as we prepare to come to the table tonight, we pray, God, that we would meet your presence, that we would experience your grace. You give us unearned favor each and every moment. We're reminded now in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.